Welcome to the South Metro Ministries podcast. Here's this week's message from Pastor Alan Matura. I want to give a personal testimony. Then I'm going to preach. And I'm going to do this because the enemy tells me that if I do it, I need to watch out because he's going to attack me worse. And the Word of God says about the enemy that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said he's a liar and the father of lies. So just because the enemy told me I can't, I'm going to. Because it's going to free you up. Now you know, many of you, if you're not new with us, that back in February, on February the 3rd, on a Sunday morning, I was stricken with symptoms so severe until it forbade me from coming to church that Sunday, ready to preach, which developed into anxiety, panic, and depression, which kept me out of the pulpit for seven weeks. I have told you my story. I'm not going to tell you again. I sent you a video after the second week and told you I will not be in the pulpit by the recommendation of my doctors, my family. I've got to get help and I've got to be with the Lord. And all that has evolved till now. And I just want to tell you what the Lord has done for me. I got over many issues. My, my counselor, I've been to, I've been to my chiropractor, I've been to my medical doctor, I've been to a Christian psychiatrist. And I'm just defeating them all by the grace of God and by the power of the word. But listen to what lingered the most. What lingered the most and most persistent was the symptom of insomnia, sleeplessness. Since February, I haven't had more than four hours of uninterrupted sleep. I would get up, go to the bathroom, but then I'd get back and doze off. I would go to bed at 10.30 and get up at 4.30. Up wide awake, cannot go back to sleep. But in between, I wrestled from that time. Then, when the clock changed, I started getting up at 3.30. And I wouldn't feel sleepy in the day or drowsy. I just, I just, this was a symptom that persisted and my staff knew about it and my wife. And I said, God, if this is what I got to go through, I got to go through. Help me. Let me tell you something. This has been a fantastic week for me. This has been the best week since February. Let me tell you why. Go ahead. You'll praise him just a minute. Number one, on Tuesday, November the 12th, I, Alan Matura, celebrated with my dad and sisters, my mom went to be with the Lord 14 years ago. We celebrated on November the 12th, 45 years of living in America. That's a whoop glory if, you, if, you, if you've ever lived elsewhere. Okay? Secondly, we're on call because this coming Tuesday is the due date for our oldest daughter, whose name is Jennifer, who's expecting her first child and our first granddaughter. And if you see me leave up through the roof, it's because it's the rapture. You see me leave out of here and give it to Pastor Jeff, it's because the baby. (laughs) Now let me tell you this. Since since Thursday night, I went to bed, Pastor Chad, almost 11 o'clock Thursday night. Did not get up one time till 5, 12. 12 minutes after 5. Listen to me. I went then, because that's my prayer time, to go pray in the living room, and I fell asleep on Jesus. On Saturday night, 
Saturday night, I had one interruption. I went to bed about 10.30. One interruption at five minutes after five when Prissy our poodle had a barking fit. And the spirit of slap came all over me, but I love our poodle. Last night, I just slept like nobody's business. Uh, but listen, Kimberly and Lakeland, come here, buddy. Come on, come on over here. This is, this is Pastor Lakeland Worley. This is Pastor Lakeland. Wave at him, Pastor. How about give me this microphone here? I would say, hello, church. Hello. Say, I love you. I love Jesus. Say, I love Jesus. Yeah, he does all that. So 10, about 10 o'clock, 30, I fell asleep. But before then, about 10 o'clock, he comes to my bedroom. I'm reading my Bible Friday night. This is the first night with us. And uh, he sees me reading the Bible. I'm reading for the book of Romans. I figure he can't understand it. So I said, go tell Mia, who is his grandmother, to get you a children's book and bring it back and I'll read it. He goes to Mia, gets a children's book. When I, he comes back, I'm gone. I mean, no God is good. Now listen, we picked them up from the airport. Kimberly, wave at us. Come here, Kimberly. You're too beautiful to stand down there. Come here right here, girl. They moved to Maryland about two months ago. That's why I'm making a big to-do out of it, okay? They live 12 hours away. Their daddy is in the pulpit this morning, and, and uh, he'll come later, okay? But uh, we're waiting on this baby to come. It's full moon now. Uh, if anybody has babies, you know about pregnancy full moon. They also told my, my daughter, and this daughter too, uh, that if you eat eggplant near your delivery date, you will, uh, it'll come even more. I picked them up from the airport. We drove to Cobb Parkway, another 45 minutes away from our house, to go eat at an Italian restaurant that has eggplant. We all ate eggplant as if everyone was expecting something, you know? Would you give him a God bless you? Thank you, choir. You made it stand. You remain standing. If you're not standing, let's stand for the word. Lakeland, I love you, buddy. Go with the kids in the nursery and play with them. Lay hands on them, man. I want to preach from a text I've never preached for before in my, all my preaching ministry. It's found in Exodus chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8. How many know God is a good God? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your worship. Thank you for th- contributing to the ministry of the church by these items that we are promoting for the benefit of our youth ministry. And Anne, it's good to have your family with us, your father and mother. Anne is my executive assistant, and she's over here on the side. Uh, and the Stewart family, raise your hand over here to see. Anne has been my assistant for over 16 years. She knew 16 years ago I was out of my mind. She stayed with me anyhow. We welcome you, Brother Alfred, and your family. Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. It'll be more lengthy than reading, than usual than our reading is, but you'll see why in a moment. Exodus 8 and 1. And, the, and I'll, I'll transfer the mic after I've read the text, Brian. And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, I will smite all your territory with frogs. So the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, on your bed, into your houses, onto your servants, on your people, into your ovens, and into your kneading bowls. 
And the frog shall come up upon you and your people and all your servants. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land. And the magicians did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, Accept the honor of saying, When, this is very important now, When I shall intercede for you, for your servants, and for your people to destroy the frogs from you and from your houses, that they may remain in the river only. Key verse number 10. One word. He, so he said tomorrow. Everybody say the word tomorrow. I'll read on. And Moses said, let it be according to your word. You may know that there is no one like the God, the Lord our God. And the frog shall depart from you, from your houses, from your servants, from your people. They shall remain in the river only. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord, according to the frogs, uh, cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out of the houses, out of the courtyards, and out of the fields. They gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. We'll say in the south, it stunk. Reach your hands this way. Pray for me right now. Ten seconds. Come on. Let me hear you. Would you do that, please? Father, I preached this in the first service, but I do not want to rely on my memory, and I don't rely upon my flesh. Come on, help me. Oh, God, I pray in the name of Jesus the Holy One, and the intercessor, and the high priest. And I pray through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost for anointing the fall on all of us. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit says. Oh God, I pray this will not just be a Sunday morning spiritual exercise and the only thing we can think about is what we're going to eat or what football game we're going to look at next. This is our moment with our God for His Word. Change us from glory unto glory and from faith unto faith and deliver us from anything that is unlike you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen it is. Thank you, Jesus. Keep your Bibles open to this text. I want to talk about one more night with the frogs. One more night with the frogs. Hear me as I introduce this lesson. 430 years prior to this revelation of God to Moses to let the people go, Joseph was sold into slavery in Egypt. His brother sold him out, wanted to kill him, but God didn't allow it. He got into Egypt and God favored him through being in prison, lied and falsely accused about, suffered for years from age 17 to probably about age 30. Until because of God's inspiration and anointing on Joseph, God gave him the gift of interpreting dreams. He interpreted a dream for Pharaoh whose magicians and witchcraft people couldn't interpret. 
And Pharaoh promoted him to the second highest position in the government, the prime minister. Pharaoh loved him and trusted him. And as a result, Pharaoh allowed all of Joseph's family to come and live in Egypt. Over 430 years, his family grew into multitudes. He died, Joseph did, and that Pharaoh died. But over the years, there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph and his family. And by this time, the Israelites, Joseph's family, had grown into multiples of thousands. We knew when they left Egypt, there was over a million and a half, maybe three million of them. And Pharaoh had turned them into slaves, the Israelites. Beat them and scourged them with whips. Made them live in the slums, fed them garlic and onions. And all the refuge that the Egyptians didn't want. Made them build palaces for him. Made them build the pyramids, we're told, out of clay and straw. And, and God appeared to Moses after he had left Egypt for 40 years because he had slain an Egyptian for attacking an Israelite. And Pharaoh put out a man-wanted ad and poster about Moses. Moses became a shepherd for 40 years away from Egypt until God appeared to him in a bush in the desert that caught on fire. Now, it wasn't too strange for dry bushes to get on fire in a hot desert where the sun reflects off the sand and it burns the bush. But this was not a dry bush. And the fire burned, but it didn't burn up the bush. And Moses was told while the fire was burning this bush and not consuming it, to take off your shoes, Moses, because the place you stand is holy ground. Can I get an amen? Amen. And then a voice, which was the voice of God, said to Moses, Go back to Egypt where you left fleeing for your life and take your brother Aaron with you and go into Pharaoh's palace, the same Pharaoh who put a most wanted ad on your life, and tell him, I said, let my people go. And Moses, I said, what do you mean, God? I'm most wanted there. He'll kill me. What am I supposed to say? He said, tell him, I sent you. He said, what if my own brethren, my own fellow Jews don't believe that God sent me? What do I say to them? God said, you tell them my name is I am. Tell them, I am sent you. Somebody ought to say amen. And thus, to let my people go. Well, he showed up in Pharaoh's court. Pharaoh had his entourage. He was sitting on a high throne. He had his ornamentation of his crown and his Pharaoh's garb. And he had servants and maiden and an immaculate palace. And here comes Moses just with a long beard and, and clothes that were not uh, uh, fitting to be before a Pharaoh and a staff in his hand and his brother. And, and Pharaoh don't usually give audience to anybody without making plans. But, but Moses walked in there with the authority of God. What do you want? Pharaoh says. Moses said, I'm here to represent the Lord. He said, let my people go. Pharaoh says, who's your God that I should listen to him? 
We Egyptians have all kinds of God. What's your God? And I Get out of here. And Moses left. And God said to Moses, I am going to send plagues on the land of Egypt. And every one of them is going to teach Pharaoh and his magicians and all of his counselors and politicians and his citizens. All of Egypt's going to know there's only one God and Jehovah is his name. The first plague was the plague of water turning into blood. Can I get an amen? The water in the river turned into blood. The water in the ponds turned into blood. The water in the drinking vessels turned into blood. The water in the wells, everywhere there was water, it turned into blood. And it smelled and they had nothing to drink. Pharaoh said, that's just a trick. I'll call my magicians and let them do the same thing. And they really did. The magicians turned water into blood. And therefore God says, since Pharaoh hardened his heart and he's not going to let my people go, I'm going to send another plague. And he sent ten of them. The second of which was frogs. And the Bible says that Moses prayed, and if the Bible was opened, he told Aaron in verse 5, to stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up on Egypt. So verse 6, Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land. Every corner of the land was covered with frogs. So God told Moses and Aaron, he, uh, he said, for these frogs to come, stretch your hands over the river Nile and over all over. And the Bible says they, there were so many frogs, they came by the millions and millions of little green frogs called dofda frogs that covered the land. Pharaoh said, that's just another trick of you, Moses and, and Aaron. I'll call my magicians and I'll let you know about the frogs. So he called his magicians and his witchcraft people and they called up frogs too. The only problem with uh, his magicians is when it got time to get rid of the frogs, they didn't know how. I feel a whoop glory coming up, but, but they know how to add to the problem, but they didn't know how to subtract from it. Keep preaching, Indian. I think I will. Everywhere there were frogs. Now, just imagine this, okay? Listen, when I was a boy, and every little boy, they, they like insects and frogs. And, and Kimberly's just waiting for the day that Lakeland brings a frog to her. And she, I'll hear her all the way from up in Germantown, Maryland, 12 hours away, down here in Georgia. My girls can't stand any insects. I remember the day my teenage daughter, Jennifer, was taking Kimberly to school at Northgate. And Jennifer had a driving license and she could drive to school at East Coweta. She called me on my cell phone, Jennifer, my daughter, teenager, and she was standing on the dresser in her bedroom because she saw a spider crawl in her bedroom. She was not, Sammy, coming off that dresser until I came and found that spider. I dropped Kimberly off to school. I came home, couldn't find the spider, Mike. I couldn't find it. And I said, you know what happened, Jennifer? You screamed so loud, you gave the spider a heart attack and it died. I don't like frogs, okay? Don't bring one and show it to me. I, 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 I won't put one in my pocket and show it to you, okay? You don't like frogs either. Now, some of you married a toad, and you've been kissing that toad. This is Pastor JC's joke. He told me on the phone. And he ain't turned into a prince yet. He's turned into a bigger frog, and he's still a frog. That one was free. 
Listen, do you know any football team or any baseball team as, known as the Mighty Frogs? I know the Mighty Ducks, but I don't know the Mighty Frogs. The Bible said there were so many frogs. They were at the dinner table. They were in the bed. Those nice 1,800 thread sheets you're going to buy to support the children's ministry, the youth ministry. Can you imagine going home and pulling that sheet back and there? One on the pillow, one in the bed. They go to take the flour out of their jar to make biscuits. There's a frog in the biscuit. They, they go and they get their drinking water. There's a frog. Here a frog. There where, there's a frog everywhere. Frog, frog. Yes. I mean, can you imagine that? Everywhere you turn, there's a frog. Thousands of these. Listen, I don't even like going to bed here and the crickets chirp, much less the frogs croak. And I don't know, the Bible don't talk about Mrs. Pharaoh. But I believe she, she went to Mr. Pharaoh and said, Now, I don't care if you are the Pharaoh, I'm sick and tired of these frogs. You better do something about them. And one preacher said it this way. She said, a nagging wife is one thing to have in the house, but a nagging wife with a house full of frogs, you don't want to have. And you know something about the Egyptian people? They were known for cleanliness. This was an insult to them. Even though they even had idols to frogs, it was an insult to their cleanliness to have frogs everywhere. Now pretty soon Pharaoh got tired of the frogs and he called for Moses to plead with God to remove the frogs so that, that he would let the people of God go and worship. And that's found in verse number 8. Now, Moses shows up. He's there to do something about the frogs because Pharaoh asked him to. And he asked Pharaoh a question that he never asked in any of the other nine plagues. This is the only plague that he asked Pharaoh this question. When do you want the frogs to go? I give you the honor, Pharaoh, of telling me when you want them to go. And the moment you tell me that you want them to go, they're gone. You know what Pharaoh's answer was? Tomorrow. Why in God's name would Pharaoh want to spend another night with the frogs? How dumb can a Pharaoh be? Here is his opportunity to get rid of that thing that's been troubling him for some time. That thing that's been keeping up him awake at night. That thing that caused him not to be able to eat because it was in his food. That thing that is literally sapping every bit of joy from his body. He had the opportunity to deal with that thing that was causing his people to lose their joy, stealing their peace. It was causing them to literally lose their ever-loving mind. He had the opportunity to get rid of it right then and there. And he says, what? Tomorrow. Tomorrow! Another night with the frogs. Now, before you and I get ready to call 911 and have Pharaoh taken away, before you and I uh, get ready to have him admitted to a mental hospital, before you and I have him go away in a straitjacket, let me say this to you. <laughs> when are you going to deal with the frogs in your life?
When am I? When do I want the frogs to go away? Because look at and listen to me. You ain't sitting there going, ribbit, ribbit, but you got frogs. Everybody's got frogs. I mean, the frogs were sitting on their head. They were acting like, what frog? We all got issues. Um, our, our mother know it. Our father know it. Our wife know it. Our kids, our grandkids know it. The boss know it. We all, what frog? Oh, oh, you want me to explain? The frogs of trouble. The frogs of disappointment. The frogs of discouragement. The frogs of anxiety. The frogs of sorrow. The frogs of sickness. The frogs of grief and loneliness. The frogs of discontentment that plagues us every day. In morning, noon, and night. Many people are holding on to their frogs, even though the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 7, casting all your cares upon Jesus because He cares for you. Somebody say amen. amen. Listen to me. I, I'm, I'm trying to build a case and, and I'm, I'm sensitive to time. You don't have to wait till tomorrow to be frog free. God is ready right now to remove the frogs out of our lives. He says to you and to I, you set the time. It's up to you and I'll deal with it if you'll give me permission. That was an amen. Here, I want you to get this. Put it on the screen. I want you never to forget this. Frogs are anything in your life that is contrary to God's word and God's call for your life. Did you hear me say amen if you did? I said frogs are anything in your life that is contrary to God's word and God's will for your life. Many of you listening to me right now this morning and those of you who listen on the internet later and watch the video tomorrow and who will buy a CD, you have frogs in your life and, and things that you know are out of order in your life going on. Things you know shouldn't be there, but you're saying tomorrow. Oh, there are all kinds of frogs. There are big frogs, little frogs. Fat frogs, skinny frogs. There are frogs of bad habits. There are frogs of addictions. Go ahead and bear witness. There are frogs of uncleanness. There are frogs of lust. There are frogs of greed and pride and shame and selfishness. There are frogs of sickness and disease and poverty and lack. Remember this. It's not on the screen. There are frogs that some people can see and smell and here. Then there are frogs that other people can't see or smell or hear because they're in your mind and in your heart. Like I had issues. Before I went through my stuff, there were some frogs in my life. Okay? And there, there were some, I, I got consumed in the building program, I got consumed in other things, and I just wasn't spending the time with the Lord like I should, and I took on worrying instead of trusting. And I allowed some other frogs to come in my life. How many know that if you start worrying, the devil's glad to saddle up beside you and help you do it? You know? And, and, and worry doesn't do anything for you but kill you. you oh, Y'all okay out there? I will. Thank you for telling me that. There are frogs that other people can't see or smell or hear, but, but you know they're there. There's one thing for sure that Pharaoh and his entourage and his politicians and his magicians and all the people of Egypt knew. One thing they were sure of when this plague came on the land is they had a frog problem. 
So the question for me and you this morning is, how do you get rid of the frogs? Well, I have five responses. Number one, the first step of getting rid of the frogs is admit you got them. That was weak, amen, but I'll go ahead and admit it for you. That'll cut down on my counseling and Pastor Jeff. Verse 6 of our text, So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the whole land of Egypt. It says the, the entire land. I, I'm, I'm trying to say to you this morning mm, that the bad thing about frogs is that they grow. Little frogs become big frogs. Little stinkers become... Yeah, you're learning class. <laughs> Write this down. Frogs that don't only grow, they multiply. You ever had a frog in a little kind of frog container and then, then there were tadpoles and oh how cute they are swimming around. Next thing you know they turn into frogs. Listen to this. Anytime you give place and make room for one frog in your life, you have just given an invitation for the whole population of frogs to come in. Oh, I'm a preaching to the man. The Bible says, give no place to the devil. The Bible says, a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. You, 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 you think I can keep my frog and it would just be my little nice little frog. No. You can't sin without it affecting somebody else. You can't lie and cheat, commit fornication and adultery and cuss and swear and have anger fits. Come on on, help me preach here. The, the next step in getting rid of the frogs is this, this is it. Recognize that you can't fix the problem by yourself. Put the next slide up for me, gentlemen. The Bible says, look, look at this, number two. Recognize that you can't fix the problem without the help of God. You only make matters worse. Verse 7 says that the magicians of Pharaoh did so with their enchantments and brought up more frogs in the land. Can I have your attention here? And you look at the screen and look at me. The last thing Egypt needed was another frog. I just feel like something good. I got a frog killing anointing on me right now. Come on. I want you to get a frog killing anointing on you. Anybody feel a frog killing anointing? You can't believe you're sitting here on November 17th hearing a sermon about frogs. When, you know, I'm not a fix-it-upper guy. I am not a handyman. My wife will tell you that. Two weeks ago, we went to Home Depot and bought her a $79 18-volt power drill. I bought it for Valerie. <laughs> Valerie, thanks to Ray King over here, is redoing my office at the house. At my expense. And uh, she, re she uh, stripped a piece of furniture, took it down, legs and everything off, sanded it, restained it, repainted it, and she had an old screw uh, 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 power drill. And uh, the batteries you can't even get now unless you go to Canada. And I went, and they don't have it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so she, she got her a Royobi? Is that how you pronounce You see, I don't even know how to pronounce the thing. 18 volt, Pastor Jeff. 
If, if I get anything that has these curse words in it, some assembly required, I've lost my mind. I can't stand Christmas or birthday gifts. I, I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on a lot of stuff. Not because I'm totally against them. My Facebook philosophy is if you want to see my face, come on Sunday. I want to see yours, okay? So I know they have their place. But you know why I don't? I got an iPhone. You know why I don't? I don't know how to use it. I do not know. Yes. That's one of my frogs. So if you think, whenever I got to fix something electro, electrical, I call Mike Owens. Because if he sees me trying to do it here or at the house, especially at the house, he knows, because I don't want Valerie messing with that. Uh, he knows, I'm going to have to stay here next extra 30 minutes because pastor tried to fix it. And that's what we do with our frogs. The magicians called in more frogs. Without God's help, you just digging you a deeper hole all the time. Just because you can't see the frogs doesn't mean they're there. Just because you ran from them doesn't mean they're there. Whenever you try to do something without God, you just make problems worse and worse. And it may not see, you may not see the consequences today. But the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. Because you can't sin with one sin and try to cover it up with another. Let me tell you the third thing you got to do, get rid of frogs. They reached to the place where they hated the frogs. Can I get an amen? I said, they reached to the place, even Pharaoh hated the frogs. He called his, his magicians in and they couldn't help. All they could do is produce frogs. They couldn't get rid of the frogs. You need to remember this. God will not deliver you from something that you love or something that you are willing to tolerate. You can pray all you want to. Pornography, lust, drugs, alcohol, a bad temper, self-pity, depression, jealousy, unforgiveness, frogs. How then can you be delivered from something that you know is wrong, you know God is not pleased with, and that you shouldn't have in your life, but you like it? Oh, I'm preaching. You enjoy it. Your flesh gratifies in it. Come on. That's just my, my little pet frog off in a corner here. Let, oh, help. Somebody say, yeah, yeah. But I don't do it often, Pastor. I do it once a week. Uh, a pastor, I, uh, oh, Jesus. Pastor, uh, uh, it's just a little something. It's, I, I got rid of everything else. Doesn't bother anybody else. Snort it a little bit here or drink it a little bit here or look at it a little bit here. I'm mature, I'm an adult now. You hear me. If you love the frog of sin and disobedience more than you love God and you don't hate sin, God's not going to force himself on you. Somebody give me an amen. You understand? No wonder the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. Sin feels good for a season. But it kills and it destroys. Don't come to Sunday expecting God to heal your marriage and deliver your son or your daughter or, or give you financial blessings when you've been petting the frog all week long in your life. Somebody help me preach here. Now, I'm just going to settle down here a minute if you, if you believe that. 
I was listening this week to Bishop T.D. Jakes. How many know of the ministry of Bishop T.D. Jakes? Hold your hand up. He is one of my most favorite preachers anywhere. Almost every morning at 7.30, I set my time to see him on the Inspiration Network. I am going to quote Bishop T.D. Jakes because I can't say it better than him about having private frogs. Bishop Jake said, stop changing your theology to fit your perversion. Write it now. Stop changing your theology and the word of God because you love your sin or you permit your, the sin of your son or your daughter or your, or your boyfriend or your girlfriend in your life. Stop changing your theology to fit your perversion. I do not care if the government says it's okay. I don't care if the school says it's okay. I don't care if your favorite preacher says it's okay. If the Bible says it's sin and it's wrong, His Word never changes. Quit changing His Word and quit going to being politically correct when you need biblical anointing. God will not bless disobedience. I'm going to tell you something you have never said from this pulpit before. And I'm going to tell you why I'm qualified to say it. I'm reluctant, but I won't call any names. I am an ordained bishop in the church of God, as is more than one member of my staff. But I'm considered a senior bishop among bishops in our denomination in North Georgia. And by the grace of God and the power of God, I'm elected to several boards by my peers because of their confidence in me. I've been in ministry for over 30 years. I have dealt with and been called upon by my denomination to deal with, deal with erring ministers who have falled from grace. I have sat on boards, I have chaired boards, and been on committees of ministers who committed adultery, fornication, uh, stealing funds from the church. It's not pleasant. I said it's not pleasant to see one of your own I remember one particular incident. I noticed firsthand because the confession, the woman made the confession to my wife and I because of the guilt. An ordained bishop and she were having sex, both being married for over a period of time. And she, the revelation started coming out. She had covered it up, he had covered it up. But the Bible says, be sure, your sins. It may not come up in 2013. But Jesus didn't die in vain and he will not be mocked. I don't care if you look your Sunday best. I don't care if I look my Sunday best. If I got frogs, they're coming out on the housetop. If I, got, if I don't deal with them when God tells me to. This woman in adultery with this ordained bishop asked him, what if the rapture comes and we're committing adultery? You know what he said to her? He said, if the rapture comes and we're left behind, we'll get saved after the rapture you see when you get so many frogs you get stupid <laughs> forgive me it's not a word my wife wants me to use publicly but I don't know if I'm a more plain way to put it I'm not calling you stupid well uh, <laughs> if you have frogs you won't deal with and I said to her you see how blind it is what makes you guys think you're going to live till the rapture comes? You could die today in your sin. And the Bible says when the rapture takes place, all of we Christians are out of here and the Holy Ghost leaves too. So there's no conviction. 
The Antichrist becomes God, and they worship the Antichrist. And if you are going to be a Christian after the rapture, you're going to have to die, give your blood, because you either take the mark of the beast. There was another bishop of, of great renown who fell from grace, whose experience I know firsthand because his accuser came to my wife and I. And she and he, while he's in the ministry, a large church traveling all over the world, sometimes on TV, were having sex, perversion, of a perverse nature. He's married, she's married. You know what he told her? Change his theology to fit his perversion. He said, it's God's will for you to service my needs sexually. No, it is so. Don't change your theology to fit your perversion or to fit your children's. I have people in my family, in my bloodline, who live in sin, who have lived in adultery, who have lived in drunken alcoholism, people in my family who have lived a homosexual lifestyle. Sin is sin. Homosexual is sin. Adultery is sin. Having sex out of marriage, shacking up together is sin. Okay? Lying is sin. I'm not here to pick on, on anybody in particular. I'm just telling you that even if I sin, it's sin. Okay? And I'm a bigger target than you because I'm here to tell you the truth and the devils don't want, don't want me to do that. But l- listen to me. This week, I saw it. I saw it on the news. I saw it in Good Morning America. And, I, oh God, Alan, be careful. There's really hardly any stations worth watching. Especially the pro-sin channels. A Methodist minister is going to be on trial tomorrow by his denomination, the United Methodist Church. Because he performed the marriage of his homosexual son to his son's partner against the teachings of the United Methodist Church and the Word of God. Do you know that when I became an ordained bishop in the Church of God, when I got my first license as an exhorter, my second license as an ordained minister, and my third as an ordained bishop, which is the highest rank, like Pastor Jeff, like other pastors who have gone through the system, good system, I knew that if I committed adultery, I'd lose my marriage, my ministry. If I embezzled, I knew it. I would lose my ministry. This Methodist minister said it this way to justify what he did. Number one, it's his son and he loves his son. Listen, you'll never change loving your kids. I don't care whatever lifestyle they're in. You ought to always love them. Okay? You ought to always welcome them. But if that daughter brings a boyfriend and they're going to spend the night together in your house, that ain't going to happen. In the same bedroom, okay? If that homosexual daughter or homosexual son bring their marriage partner and they're going to sleep together in your house, that that ain't going to happen, okay? I don't care if there's your blood, whatever, okay? Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. If you don't hate mother and father and brother and sister and love me more, you're not worthy of my kingdom. So so don't don't go arguing with me and get mad and send me some nasty email because I don't even know how to do that either. The baby ain't coming yet. I can preach a little more. 
he said, and I told Pastor Jeff this, because Pastor Jeff is one of my confidants, and he has to put up with all my junk, and so does Ann. Everybody got to have somebody to, well, okay. He said, Jesus, the Methodist minister justified his theology this way. Jesus never said a word about homosexuality. And if it's such a big issue, why didn't Jesus address it? And I thought to myself, sir, you don't know the word. You do not know. Jesus, everybody take the word. Take the word in your hand and go to Matthew chapter 5. I'm just going to teach you. I know the only next thing you're going to do if I let you go right now is go eat and look at football. Have a, you just sit still. Lock the doors. Lock the doors. Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, this Methodist minister doesn't know his Bible. Everybody in Matthew 5, if you got a Bible, it's not on the screen. It says, verse 17, Jesus speaking. If you have a red letter edition, it's in red. Chapter 5, verse 17. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but fulfill. Verse 18. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Now hear this. Look, look away from your Bible. Look at the screen on me. The law says thou shalt not kill. Now that we're under grace, is it right for you to shoot up and kill anybody? Jesus said, if you hate somebody, you've killed them. I came to fulfill the law. The law says, thou shalt not lie. Does that mean it's okay now for you to lie to everybody? No. The law says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus said, if you look at another man's wife or another woman's husband and you lust after them, you've already committed adultery and you need to ask forgiveness. And he goes down the list and he tells them, that, that marriage is sacred. He goes down to the list and he talks about when you read the Sermon on the Mount, one man with one woman. Okay? God, Jesus, Jesus didn't have to say anything about just using the word homosexual. Read the Apostle Paul. Read who, who Paul had, a, had a, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ himself on the road to Damascus. And Paul in Romans 1 says, and, and, and the, the God will turn them over to a reprobate mind because the men have changed the natural use of the women and going men with men and women have changed the natural use of the man going women with women and God has, and, and the people, uh, the population like it so. It doesn't mean it's right. I don't care if you're Methodist, Baptist, Church of God, Assembly of God. I don't care if you don't have a denomination. You don't change the theology to fit your perversion. I put the fourth, the fourth point on there. Here's how you get rid of your junk, your frogs. You recognize you need help from God. I said you recognize you need help from God. Verse 8, then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord that he may take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let the people go that they may sacrifice unto the Lord. You know how you get rid of your frogs? You agree with what the Bible says. You, if the Bible says it's sin, it's sin. You agree with God. I wish somebody would help me and say praise the Lord. You don't agree with the politicians and you don't agree with the late night talk shows and you don't agree with movies. Just because Oprah says it's right, it doesn't mean it's right. I said Oprah. Just because Dr. Phil says it right, doesn't mean it's right. 
Just because Bush or Obama or Clinton says it's right, does not mean it's right. Just because Madonna sings about it and, and, and Mariah Carey and some kind of football player or somebody else having sex out of marriage and raising kids all over the place, that does not mean that it's right. They are frogs and they stink and you must throw them in the trash. I'm not mad, I'm just anointed. There's a last point. Put it on the screen, number five. When the frogs died, they were still in the house. They had to carry them out. When God kills something in your life, it's time to take out the trash. Get it out, remove it. Come here, Mark. Mark Mouton, come right here. Come up all the way on the pulpit. He didn't know I was going to do this, and I didn't know he was going to do before church what he did. He came over here and handed me this track. Did you hand me this track earlier? I sure did, sir. Read it out loud. What does this track say? Taking out the trash. Did I call you and tell you what I was preaching? No, sir. Give me a high five. Only me and you got no frogs. I love you. you. Bless the man of God. Taking out. I ain't read it yet. Here it is. Taking out the trash. Come to the music. That don't mean I'm quitting. It never does. The worst. Let me tell you something. When Pharaoh was asked, when shall I pray for you and your people? You just give me the word. You just tell, tell me the word. He said tomorrow. There are millions of people in hell today. Because upon the invitation to give their soul to Christ, they said, tomorrow. I'll get rid of these drugs, tomorrow. I'll get rid of this extramarital affair, tomorrow. I'll get rid of lust and perversion, tomorrow. We signed up for a cable television service recently at the house where I get... Free premium channels for three months. I don't want it. There are frogs in my life. It's not in this church. Give no place to the devil. Tomorrow, I get rid of this anger and this resentment and hatred and forgiveness. Tomorrow. Who told you you got tomorrow? Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to take care of itself. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Look at me. Look at me. I have done funerals more than I remember the number of them. I've been a minister for over 33 years. I have buried little precious babies who were born stillborn. I have buried people in their 90s. I have buried teenagers. I have buried military people. I have buried people who are victims of car accidents, suicide. A lot of people I've buried, I never met them in my lifetime. I'm glad to be able to minister grace in their time of hurt. 
And I'm not against, my point is not about who they are. My point is, for them, there is no tomorrow. Thank God that most of them that I know of went to eternity in, with Jesus. Who told you that you're going to live to be 60, 70, 80? I'm not trying to scare you. Almost every week I get a call of somebody passing. Let me, let me, let me I, I'm trying to say to you that on 9-11-2001, 3,000 people in the Twin Towers and airplanes died at the hands of terrorists and for them there was a, never a tomorrow. Some years ago, a tsunami hit in Asia. 300,000 people died. There was not tomorrow. Please listen. Last week there was a cyclone in the Philippines. We've already sent $1,500 on your behalf to get three large crates overseas to help them. But for, they say at least five to 10,000 will be dead. For them, there is no tomorrow. Please hear me. You don't know when the rapture is going to come. You don't know if Jesus, before you hit your car in the parking lot, will tell Gabriel, blow the trumpet, I'm coming to take my children home, and you were left behind. I'll never forget. I'll never forget the death of Whitney Houston. I'll never forget it. I liked her music. I wasn't a fan. I'm not a fan of those kind of music, but I loved her voice. It was angelic. I watched her funeral for four hours on national TV. I watched it. It was a Saturday. And I, I love her mother, whom I never met and don't even remember her name, for giving her an old-fashioned Pentecostal Holy Ghost funeral with an anointed preacher full of the Holy Ghost. You know the Winans? Winans, the singers? He had his bishop's clothing on and that didn't hinder him. He preached uh, the guys on Dancing with the Wolves and what, what, what is his name? Kevin Costner. He, he did some eulogy. He preached to Kevin Costner. He preached to movie stars. He preached to a full house and a full nation. You know what song they sang at the funeral? A lot of songs, but the one that I have on my iPhone, somebody put it on there for me. <laughs> She's right there. And I know how to pull it up. The Winans sang tomorrow. Don't wait until tomorrow. The Winans song says, tomorrow might be too late. Bow your heads. When do you want to get rid of the frogs? Every head bowed and every eye closed. This is the most important moment of this entire day for your life. When do you want to quit living like you're living, disobeying God, thinking you're not hurting anybody, but you're actually hurting yourself. You don't have to wait another day. You don't have to wait another second. Right now, heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking. This is, I want Christians breathing a prayer. This is not an exercise in me doing my duty. This is God's moment. I'm not going to beg you. I've already preached longer than I wanted to, but I couldn't stop. I need to be saved, Pastor. 
I'm not going to shade it and color it and hide it. I need to be saved, sir. If I were to die today, I know I wouldn't go to heaven. If Jesus came today, I wouldn't go. And I'm not dressing it up and hiding it. I'm putting it out there. All I'm going to need you to do is raise your hands right now and hold it up. For t- I'm only going to give 10 seconds for it to be done. Hold it up high. I'm going to count it. Hold it up high. Don't put it down until I'm finished counting everyone. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. Put them down. The time is up. Watch your head bowed. Everybody say thank you, Jesus. Head bowed and eyes closed. Pastor, I'm saved and I know I'm going to heaven. But there's some stuff I've allowed in my life that I shouldn't allow. There's some frogs I've allowed. And God is no longer at the center of my priorities or the Bible or reading, or reading the scripture or prayers. I've got some other idols, Pastor. And I want them to go because I want, I want nothing to separate me from the love of God. I want the Holy Spirit. I want to live by the Holy Spirit, not by my flesh, Pastor. I want to live by the Holy Spirit. Raise your hands if that's you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Raise it. Hold them up. Hold them up. Put them down. Everybody head bowed and eyes closed. Everybody out loud. Pray this prayer after me out loud to help those who raise their hands so they won't be singled out. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I have frogs in my life. Can't hide it. The more I try to help it, it becomes worse. But today, I ask you, To forgive me of all of my sins. I repent. I turn away from my sins. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I claim Him today as my Savior. Today, by faith, the frogs, the sins, they are dead. Write my name. In your book of life. Save me. I'm never going back. Because you will fill me. With your spirit. Everybody keep praying out loud. Lord Jesus. Baptize me. In the Holy Ghost. For the first time. Or for another time. Fill me. With the spirit. Fill me with your word. I believe you're going to do it. I'm changed. In Jesus' name. Stand to your feet now. Let the praise team come. And after you stood, put your hands together. Come on. Everybody, come on. Everybody, come on. Applaud those who got saved. Applaud the frogs are gone. Don't leave unless you have to. But come on, come on. Give the Lord a praise. Yes! Frog killing anointing. Frog destroying. Yoke breaking anointing. I want everyone on the prayer team and every elder in this church and every pastoral staff and every Sunday school teacher and every leader in this church full of the Holy Ghost to come to the altar right now and face these people and begin to praise the Lord. These people are going to pray with you and, you, and, and listen, all you prayer team, look at me just a minute when you come. Don't wait for them to come to you. You go to them. I want, if you've been an elder before, if you're an elder now, if you're full of the Holy Ghost and you're a minister, you got to have the Holy Ghost. And you're a leader in this church of any ministry, come. Come right now. And then here's what I'm going to do. If you want a frog-killing anointing on you, you're saved now. You say, I'm not going back to the frogs of my marriage. I'm not going to go back to the frogs of my finances. 
I'm not going to go back to the frogs of depression and anxiety and fear. Not when I can kill them in Jesus' name. I want you to start coming as they sing. And the rest of you, raise your hands. Begin to sing. Begin to sing. Begin to sing with them. Come on. I want you to come. Come. Stop. Somebody's waiting for you. Come on. Come on. Brian, give me the other mic, please. Start coming. Just stand anywhere. They'll come to you. Everybody else sing it. I don't care who you are. Don't let your pride make you keep your frogs. Come. 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 I'm rededicating my life. I'm dedicating my children. I'm coming for my husband. I'm coming for my family. I'm coming for my grandchildren. Come. Come. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit smmcog.com.